The kakadu plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, everybody. Hey, y'all. I felt like I had a little secret when I said it like that. Hey, everybody. Guess what? Guess what? I have no secrets for you. I wear everything on my sleeve. (laughs) You get what, you know what you're getting with me. That's one mm. thing people have always said. I got nothing to hide. <laughs> Do you think that's true? Uh, you know me better than most. I don't think you have anything to hide. Thank unless you. you've hidden it very, very, very well from me. Well, maybe I have. I know. Well, and apparently you can. I guess I'm really <laughs> good at keeping things. secrets then. Uh-oh, Actually, well, what do I'll you tell you what. A secret? I'll tell you what. I don't have any secrets right now. But I'm a great secret keeper. Right. If someone says, hey, don't tell anyone about this. Because, you know, we we know people. I'm sure everyone knows people where if you tell them, don't tell anyone about this, they can't help it. Mm -hmm. It bursts out of them like just, you know, a rainbow erupting from a a magical volcano. (laughs) They have to get it out. There's just an Mm -hmm. impulse. It's like I must tell someone. And I'll tell you, whatever that is in your brain, it's broken in mine. I have no impulse to share secrets. It's just not interesting to me. So you can tell me whatever you want. As long as you say, please don't tell anyone. Eh, okay. I won't. Yeah. I need to know it's in confidence. Yeah. I've definitely had someone, like I've said, like, oh, yeah, I remember talking about that with so-and-so about whatever. And they'd be like, oh, damn, put me on blast. You know, I was, that was, oh, I was yeah. supposed to talk about that. And I was like, oh, I, if you had said so, I would have definitely kept it to myself. But if you're just talking to me, yeah, you I'm not going to assume that this is privileged information. Right. <sighs> so everyone, email your 
deepest darkest deepest secrets darkest. to ridickromance at gmail.com and trust with us. the subject line keep this a secret yeah we and will. we will not read it on the show but we'll be glad to know it <laughs> but were you, you were about to say something oh i don't know oh okay uh, sorry, I'm trying to think of something to talk about that's not going to frustrate me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it must be a mere weeks away from the Atlanta Fringe Festival. Then. It is mere weeks from right. the Fringe. Well, and... we'll just leave it at, it's very exciting. It's going to be a girl dope tired. <laughs> festival with lots of cool performances, and yes. you're very tired and, and overworked. Tired. <laughs> yeah. And I'm tired, and I'm here now. <laughs> yes. All is well. Yeah. We're, we're, we're going to take a break from that. And uh, and go back in time a little bit. How's that sound? That sounds lovely. Yeah, separate ourselves from that chaotic world into this chaotic world. Yay, and different chaos. <laughs> Someone else's chaos, more importantly. True. Not I, it's not mine. <laughs> I'm not involved. Yeah. <laughs> well, you all can le- leave your troubles behind and enjoy these people's troubles, just like us. <laughs> Because this is a pretty crazy story <laughs> that we're about to tell you today. Uh, this story was suggested by a listener, Katie P, or at a clockwork kitten on i on Instagram. Uh, thank you, Katie. This Thanks is so a really much, good recommendation. Yeah. Because today we're talking about Bernard Borisco, who was a French diplomat who got into some really big trouble in the 1980s for slipping information to the Chinese government on Uh-oh. the DL to help protect his friend and lover Sha. Pu. Oh. Who was Shape Pu? Well, that's where it gets complicated. So let's dive into the story of Shape Pu and Bernard Borisco and the honeypot plot that titillated a nation. Ooh, sounds dangerous. Let's go. Hey there, friends, come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show ridiculous romance. A production of iHeartRadio. Okay, most of our info is coming from a 1993 New York Times article written by Joyce Wadler that's Mm. called The True Story of M. Butterfly, the Spy Who Fell in Love with a Shadow. Fascinating. So Bernard Borisco was a Frenchman. He was (laughs) born. I don't know if that's I love the sauce you put on that. (laughs) Well, anyway, he's a Frenchman. He was born in 1944, and he went to boarding schools as a kid. And while he was there, he engaged in multiple homosexual affairs. Sure. But after he left school, he became very determined to have sex with a woman because he felt that homosexual activity was just like a rite of passage in an all-male school. Yeah. He was like, that's not me. That's just what you do. That's just another sport we play, right? I guess so, yeah. Bunch of boys in a room. What else are we getting into? Joyce wrote, quote, he enjoyed it, but it made him feel guilty. He felt so badly about it that when he turned 18, he made a promise to himself. He will stop sleeping with boys. It's a schoolboys game. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) What a weird schoolboy game. Well, you know, back then it was like that or a hoop and a stick, right? I guess so. One or the other. 1944. Like we That's got our, we got our own hoop and stick over here. Ooh. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. uh, it's sad though that he was like, I enjoyed it, but I can't do it. <laughs> I know it does suck to, that. There's like everybody's. It's clearly what everybody's into. All right. Why do we have to feel guilty about it? Well, 
Well, Bernard ended up a college dropout at the age of 20, but he managed to finagle himself a job as an accountant at the French embassy in China in 1964. This is right around or just after the Cultural Revolution Mm. when Mao Zedong was taken over and a lot of stuff changing in China at this time. Yeah, very chaotic period. Oh, yeah. And French President Charles de Gaulle, who you might know from the worst airport in the world... (laughs) We've got a personal story about that one. Horrible. Um, (laughs) Well, Charles de Gaulle recognized the People's Republic of China and the new communist regime of Chairman Mao in January of 1964. And then France became the first Western power to open an embassy there in China since the Korean War 11 years earlier. So a lot of relations going on between France and China, probably a Mm -hmm. a relatively good relationship between the two countries at the time. Yeah. Compared to a lot of the others. (laughs) Right. But in China, foreigners are not welcome Mm. at this period of time. They're kind of like, we just want to be dealing with China's stuff, with Chinese people. We don't want a bunch of randos run around. Right. So it's kind of dangerous To be a foreigner in China, um, you don't really get to talk to Chinese people without government permission. Mm. Everyone who's in the French embassy is basically just like pushing paper. They're saving for retirement. (laughs) You know, they're not really there to like make (laughs) big changes in the world or something. So Bernard is kind of bored and lonely. He thought he would get an exciting like traveling diplomat job. But he ends up in this embassy where you like can't really leave. You're not really talking to anybody new. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he does get invited to like French embassy things, little events and get togethers and whatever. But all the diplomats that work there can tell that he's like a working class kid. He's not really one of them. You know, they're they're from a higher echelon of society. Ah, And this guy's just a clerk, you know? Okay. So he's kind of getting iced out at the parties. Oh, you, you dropped out of college. Mm-hmm. You went to boarding school where you played oops and sticks with all the other boys. <laughs> You're not one of us. Well, Bernard is, I mean, he's a good looking guy. He's kind of short, but he's got these broad shoulders and he's got a small waist. He's got like a swimmer's body. A taut sure. little fellow. Nice. Uh, so, you know, people are always giving him the eyes and they're mm-hmm. like, oh, never mind. He is from a lower class. <laughs> So at a Christmas party that year, Bernard meets a 26-year-old Chinese man named Shi Pei Pu. And this guy was teaching some of the embassy wives Chinese. They could get around a little easier. Mm-hmm. And Bernard really wanted to befriend some Chinese people. He's, he's, he's trying to open up his diversity, you know, getting to know the locals. I'm sick of being trapped in this little box. Mm-hmm. And he says, hey, well, maybe we should be friends. I, I could stand to learn a little Chinese myself. And they... They, they do. They get to know each other a little bit. Bernard suggests to Shu that he go out dancing. There's all these pretty girls here. Sir, why don't you go out and try dancing? You're a handsome lad. And Shu says, well, I'd, I don't really like dancing and never really date women at all. And when Bernard asks him why he never dates, he tells him, oh, well, you would never understand. He's like, I would. I love a schoolboy's game. <laughs> right. Oh, so you're a hoop and stick player, I see. <laughs> <laughs> now, Sha, of course, is his last name, not his first name, sure. but it's easier to say. So we're just going to say that. <laughs> now, Sha invited Bernard to dinner a few days later, which was very exciting because you don't usually get to like go out and hang out with Chinese people. Yeah. And he tells him, I was an actor and a singer as a teenager under the tutelage of Mei Lanfeng, who is oh. one of the most famous actors in China. And they specialized in female roles. Okay. 
So they're playing women on stage. Okay, Shakespearean kind of thing. The men mm-hmm. are playing women. Exactly. Yeah. Shah also played female roles. That's what you know, he learned to do under the tutelage of Baylan Fang. Uh-huh. And he was really well suited to it because he was kind of a short guy. He had sort of feminine features and small hands. Mm-hmm. So he was able to really play with that androgyny. But now he writes operas and plays. And he's telling Bernard, my dad was a professor before he died, but my mother lives with me in Beijing and she's a teacher. Okay. And Sha also had two older sisters. Okay. So he's learning all this stuff about Sha. They're getting really close. Well, they did become very close friends, and they hung out all the time. Bernard felt like they tell each other things that they can't tell anyone else. You're my bestie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know I can unload on you. And Sha had a really lonely childhood because his sisters are actually way older than him. So he tells Bernard a lot of stories about the history of China and his own roles on stage. And one night, he told him about the most famous role he ever had. It was in a production of The Story of the Butterfly. Long ago in China, there lived a beautiful girl named Zhu Yingtai. She was the daughter of a very learned man, and she dearly wished to attend one of the imperial schools, but being a girl, she was not permitted to do so. But her brother did really badly in school, so she really upset her. So she made a plot with her brother. They exchanged clothes, and she went to school in his place, pretending to be a boy. And she was this brilliant student. But in school, she met a handsome boy named Lang Shan Bo, and they came to love each other. Oh. But Liang could not understand this strange attraction that he felt for another boy. Mm. It's like a Mulan situation. Right. And Zhu, who was attracted to Liang as well, yearned to tell him her secret. But, of course, she refrained because she was afraid it would bring dishonor to her family. Oh. Then word came out that she had to go home because her family had found her a husband. So finally, Zhu revealed her true identity to her friend Liang, and he declared his love for her and asked her to marry him. But even though she loved him, Zhu could not disobey her family. Mm. So she went home and distraught, Liang took his own life. Zhu's family insisted that she proceed with her wedding with this other guy that they found, and she agreed, but she said she had to first go visit her beloved's grave and, you know, pay her respects, say her goodbyes. And there beneath the willows, she threw herself on his tomb and died. Her family, who finally understood how much their daughter loved Liang, buried her beside him, and the souls of the two lovers turned into butterflies and flew away together, and over the grave, willow branches grew and intertwined. Ooh, lovely story. So that's the story of the butterfly. Well, in mid-March of 1965, Bernard was offered a position at an expedition in Brazil. Not so bad. I mean... Some nice tropical vacation in there. I'm sure he's excited because he was like, that's the whole point of me being a diplomat or a a diplomat's accountant. Right, (laughs) yeah. Just let me run around the world. (laughs) Yeah. So he tells Xu that he plans to resign from the embassy in China. And Xu says, hey, why don't you come over to my house? And this is the first time he's had an invite over to Xu's house. Mm -hmm. Bernard is very excited because hardly any foreigners ever get to go to a Chinese person's home. Ooh. It's very special. Yes. And there, he met Xu's mother, who served him some tea. Now, days later, Xu walked with Bernard through the Forbidden City, and he told him the story of the butterfly again, and he told Bernard, I have a secret. Quote, Look at my hands. Look at my face. That story of the butterfly, it's my story too. 
Yes, it turned out that She Pei Ku was secretly a woman. <gasps> she had been born years after her two older sisters, and she explained to Bernard that her mother had been told by her mother-in-law that if she had another girl, the son would take another wife. Oh. So She's mother is like, um, she has another girl, and she's like, I don't want to lose my position in my household to some other lady. Mm-hmm. And... Of course, the husband actually didn't want another wife either. He sort of loved his wife. <laughs> so he's like, get off my back, mom. So they agreed to raise She as a boy and conceal his true identity from the grandmother. Wow. I'm like, what kind of power does a grandma have? Oh, <laughs> you right. You had to full on lie about hey. her grandkid to keep her from getting you to marry someone else. You know, elders across many uh, cultures a, uh-huh. have some sway. But I think in China, as I understand it. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a very serious situation. That is wild. So Xia has been concealing themselves as a man, teaching Chinese to these ladies, uh-huh. and befriending Bernard, and finally decides to reveal her true identity to her best friend, Bernard. Amazing. I bet when she was playing in the Butterfly show, they were like, damn, you are so good mm-hmm. at playing a woman pretending to be a man. You know, <laughs> I just, I don't know where you get that instinct, but you're just a natural. Like, I don't, I'm I don't total know. I natural. Close my eyes and I really get method with it. <laughs> well, that is incredible. Obviously, there's going to be some fallout from this. And of course, we want to know Bernard's reaction. So we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back more after this. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. 
The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow The Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Welcome back to the honeypot. So Bernard believes Shu's story right away, and he promises, I will not tell anyone about this, Mm -hmm. your secret and mine. But now that he knows Shu is a woman, he feels like they should start having sex. (laughs) The New York Times article says, quote, he doesn't feel a great passion. It's something he feels he and Shu have to do. You are a woman. I am a man. We love one another. Therefore, we should have sex. All right, Bernard. (laughs) Yeah, so his attitude is like, oh, well, if you're a woman and you're talking to me, that means we should be doing it, right? Like, we should sleep together. So, like, he just cannot imagine being friends with a lady. Oh, yeah. Not (laughs) without a sexual component. Or maybe it was, like, his, you know, insane... He was, like, so... Uh, obsessed with trying to have sex with a woman. Oh, yeah. So maybe he was just like, oh, we get along. And turns out you're a woman. So maybe <laughs> I can finally fulfill this. Yeah, he fantasy made his of mine. life's mission, but he wasn't very good at talking to people except this dude, apparently. I so. guess not. <laughs> well, he makes this proposition and sh- is like, yeah, okay, but not now. Mm-hmm. All right. And of course, Bernard is like, all right, well, you know, no rush. Just let me know. It's been, you know, eight years. What's, what's a few more weeks? <laughs> <laughs> Take your time. So eventually they did start having a physical affair. But the sex was not very satisfying. Shell always seemed very nervous and had to, like, guide him. It was very rushed and in darkness. Oh. And she tells Bernard that in order to maintain her fake identity as a man, she's taken hormones and she's afraid that it's damaged her health. Hmm. And that's sort of offered up as an explanation for why their sex is always kind of rushed and so carefully guided and right. everything. But, you know, whatever. He's, like, getting what he always wanted. So he's probably feeling pretty good, right? <laughs> I guess. Or he's like, he's like oh, man, women don't woman. know how it's to not, do it. <laughs> not really everything I was hoping it would be. <laughs> maybe that's it. He's like, wow, turns out. <laughs> what's every, what's all I, the fuss about? Maybe hoop and stick was more fun. <laughs> Boys do it better. <laughs> well, at the end of December 1965, just as Bernard is about to leave for Brazil and leave Sha behind in China, Sha tells him she's pregnant. Oh, Well, Bernard swears he will come back. And he's like, I can't cancel the expedition now, but I will come back to China, I promise you. And he says, well, please name the kid Bertrand if it's a boy. Ah, Bertrand. Well, four years later, Bernard finally comes back to China. Now, he has had a serious love affair with a beautiful French medical student, a woman, and he is still seeing her at this point. But after his trip through the Amazon rainforest in uh-huh. Brazil, he did end up getting a job back at the French embassy in Beijing as an archivist so that he can find Xu Peipu and his son Bertrand. He writes to her, but he's not sure he has the right address anymore. So he tries visiting, but he goes to all these wrong houses until a girl is like, oh my God, you're looking for Xu Peipu. Come with me right this way. <laughs> she takes him to the right address. And there is Xu Peipu four years later. And Bernard goes in and gives her a big old smooch. Mm-hmm. And she tells him times have been awful mm. while he was gone. Those last four years have been really difficult. And it's really too dangerous for him to be visiting her because everyone in the building is going to see that there's a foreigner in her apartment. Ooh, not cool. That's not cool. And of course, we know Sha is concealing a giant secret, still living as a man. Right. 
So it's understandable that shows like, please don't get attention on me. Right. You know what I mean? You can't just be coming around here and people are going to start asking me a lot of questions. They're going to start paying a lot more attention to me than I want. Yeah. And she tells him, we do have a son together. He's just not here. But on Bernard's second visit, she does show a picture of Bertrand to him. And he sees he sees the kid and he's like, oh, I'm so excited. But just then, loud shouting is heard right outside the door. Sha is terrified. She opens the door and dozens of people rush in. They start yelling and pointing at Bernard. And one grabs an alarm clock and says, it's a radio. They're spies. Oh, shit. So she was not fucking around saying it was really dangerous. No, yeah. People are jumping to all kinds of conclusions. Right. So these three guys in army uniforms show up and they take Sha to her bedroom and they close the doors. You stay here while Uh we deal with this Frenchman. (laughs) And one of them does speak French. So he's like, what are you doing here, bro? And Bernard thinks fast. And he's like, oh, well, I'm taking lessons from Shaw on the um, on the greatness of Chairman Mao to better Ooh. understand the Cultural Revolution. Huh? Of course, they're like, well, there's so much to say about the greatness of Chairman <laughs> they're like, Mao. Oh, well, allow me to chime in. I've got a few things to add, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So they, you know, they do kind of accept this story after a minute after Bernard really grovels and says, Mm -hmm. oh, he's so great. I just needed to learn more about this awesome guy. Isn't he the best? If only France was more like China. (laughs) That's what I say. They're like, hey, this guy's all right. (laughs) So they do accept his story. They they let him go. They send him out of the apartment. Mm -hmm. Go. All right. Go on your way home. Praise be to Mao. We all love him. We're glad (laughs) you do, too, et cetera, et cetera. But after a little while, Sha has not returned. So Bernard is getting worried that he got Sha into some serious trouble. So he becomes a little obsessed with just seeing her one time just uh-huh. to make sure she's OK. And he knows he can't just like drop by again. Right. right? That turned out really badly. <laughs> so instead, he borrows a bicycle from the embassy and he bikes by her neighborhood just to see if he can catch a glimpse of her while she's walking around outside or something. But he realizes He's being followed oh. by three guys who are also on bikes, and they're just following around. Oh. So he's like, uh-oh. He, he doesn't sound like maybe the smartest guy in the world because he borrowed the bike from the embassy. So it has diplomatic plates. Oh, man. Like street plate. So it's like, you're not really incognito, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they're like, well, he's not a spy because that's the stupidest thing a spy can do. <laughs> They need some better training. <laughs> but this makes him even more nervous. He's like, what happened to Sha? I haven't seen her. Now people follow me around. Like, yeah. what's going on? Finally, in October, he spots her walking with an elderly lady. Oh. And he's like, hmm. So he kind of surreptitiously gets gets up close to her. And he kind of whispers in her ear that he'll wait at a certain corner of this really busy intersection in the city every Thursday at 2 p.m. And he's like, just come there so I can see you. I know you're okay. Mm-hmm. And for months, they, she takes a bench across the street and he takes a bench on the other side of the road. And so they're not even in the same side of the street. They're across like seven lanes of traffic. Wow. But they sit on the bench across from each other. Again, just to see each other, just to kind of be close for a second. One time, Bernard managed to pass a letter to Sha, but a woman saw him do it and screamed out loud. Oh, my God. Which sounds like she was going through something else. <laughs> I don't know why a guy well, passing a letter to like, somebody would be so scary. But. I mean, I just feel like the culture at the time, people were so nervous about spies and foreigners and stuff. That, yeah. And they're, they're such, you know, they're, they're so into their country. Right. That they see someone passing a, lo- a note and they're like, it's my civic responsibility to draw attention to this. Yeah. That's a spy. Somebody do something. It's very true. You it kind of gives you good 
idea of what kind of environment we're yeah. dealing with. Yeah. Wild. So Bernard's losing hope. He starts to feel like he's never going to see Sha or his child ever. Mm-hmm. Well, one day in spring, Sha called Bernard up and says that she spoke to her boss at the Writers Association and received permission to teach Bernard classes about Chairman Mao twice a week. So this this scheme was still going to work. Oh, so she made the lie real. Yeah, basically. yeah. Nice. They, remember how much they loved it when you said you were taking uh-huh. classes on Chairman Mao? Let's do that. Let's just do it. So Bernard comes to her house and she reads to him from a book of Mao quotations and he sits across from her and he praises Mao as a great poet and think, oh, man, this guy knows how to write a book. Mm-hmm. You know, little, red, <laughs> compact and smart. I like it. They're, they're afraid that there's microphones in the house. They really want to put on a show. Mm-hmm. But then Bernard talks to her out in the hallway. And over the next month or so, he learns that their son together, Bertrand, was obviously uh, of mixed race, mm-hmm. right? They knew this was a half Chinese, half French child, so therefore he was not safe in Beijing. So Shu had him sent to live near the Russian border with one of the family's servants. Mm, so that's why he ain't in yeah, Beijing with her. Son around, yeah. Well, then Bernard learns that Shu's not going to be teaching him anymore. All of a sudden, someone else from the Chinese government is going to take oh, over his lessons. <laughs> Damn it! That was the whole point. <laughs> I know, like, right? Well, wait what's a that? Um. I feel like it's a movie trope too. When you walk into a party and you're like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask this girl to dance," and finally get to know her, and she's like, "Oh, I was just about to step out of the room. Here, dance with my sister." Ugh. Oh, that's not what I wanted. I don't want to dance with her. <laughs> I wasn't really interested in dancing. Right. So, unfortunately, now Bernard actually has to <laughs> <laughs> take real classes. Take these real classes. From someone else in the Chinese government whose name was Kang Sheng. Okay. And they study Mao. It's all chill for a few weeks. But then Bernard says, hey, I completely understand the cultural (laughs) revolution now. I've learned enough. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready to graduate. Well, I think I learned all there is to know. Probably don't need to take these classes anymore, huh? (laughs) I'm going to head out. (laughs) But no, he's like, you've taught me everything. Uh, the Cultural Revolution's so amazing. I feel like I've got a real grasp on on the principles of it and everything you're trying to do and da-da-da. And now I want to help the Chinese people. I oh. want to help the Cultural Revolution sure, really sure. succeed because I get it so much. Uh-huh. And it's so amazing. It's definitely the best way to run things. <laughs> and he suggests to Kang that his position at the embassy might give him access to some useful information. Okay. Now, Bernard is low level. We already said this, right? He's not like a diplomat, right? He's not in some high level meetings or anything. He doesn't get military reports, but he does get everybody's messages to file. So he's like, they've already read them, but like I can look at them, too. And there is some tantalizing stuff about the movements of Russia, the Russian army. Okay. At this point, China does not have an ambassador in Russia. So they're very interested in what's going on there. Yeah. They don't have anybody reporting back to them, right? Mm-hmm. And they have a huge border with Russia. So it's like, I need to know what's going yeah. what they're up to. So Bernard starts slipping documents under his shirt or into his briefcase at the end of his day, bringing them to Kang, who makes copies, and then gives them back to Bernard. And then he goes and slides them back in their files. No harm, no foul. Nobody will know, right? Mm-hmm. And Bernard doesn't really feel bad about this because Kang is like, we don't have any interest in French state secrets, okay? We don't want to know what France is up to. We only want to know about Russia. Okay. So Bernard's like, I'm not betraying my own country here. So it's okay. I'm betraying the Russians. I'm betraying Russia. Who cares? (laughs) He's like, whatever. (laughs) 
Well, he does manage to start seeing Shu more and more often, but it's not really all that great of a time together. She makes him these extensive shopping lists mm-hmm. of stuff to buy for her. She's always complaining that he doesn't spend enough time with her. And he's like, well, it's because I'm always at the store. I mean, um, <laughs> they're having sex, but it's as unsatisfying as ever. And she basically just uses her hands and her mouth in their sexual encounters. Mm-hmm. He actually threatened to marry the French girl at one point. And she's like, oh, wow. So you would do that? You would just leave and go to France and never see your son again? <gasps> oh, no. Bernard's Playing like, that card. Oh, damn. I did have a son. I guess I got some responsibilities here, even though he hasn't even seen this kid. Right. But sometimes things are okay between them. They still get along. They still have a, a something of a relationship. And sometimes they even talk about living in Paris together. Well, in spring of 1972, Bernard's post at the Chinese embassy ends, and he does ask She if she would go to Paris with him. But Kang says, no, it's impossible. You you can't get out of the country, She. You're going to stay right here. Mm-hmm. And Bernard's upset about this, but he does feel like, hey, I've kind of done quite a service to the Chinese government. I've given them hundreds of documents about Russia and all this mail and everything. Mm-hmm. So y'all kind of owe me. I guess She'll be safe here with you guys. Right, right. Maybe I don't have to worry about her. Yeah. But a year later, he goes back to see Sha. Okay. And knocks on the door. Sha greets him, and she says, I've got a surprise for you. Oh. And right behind her is Bertrand. Oh. So Bernard finally meets his kid for the first time. And he does see a family resemblance. So he's like, that's my kid, Bertrand. Amazing. And the kid is about six years old at this point. Okay. But she said, you know, as you've been away, the environment in China got a little more liberal. And also her mother was very sick and dying. And she wanted to see her grandkid one more time. So she thought it would be okay to bring Bertrand to Beijing. But to keep up appearances, she had adopted Bertrand as she Peipu, the man. her male self. As her male self. Adopted Bertrand as her son. Okay, interesting. So Bertrand's Chinese name was Xie Dudu. Okay. Well, Bernard has met his son. He's seen Xie again. It's time to return to Paris. At this point, he has quit the diplomatic service. He hasn't worked in months, but he's making ends meet because he's selling rugs and other things that he bought in China or Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. He bought them cheap there, sell them back home for a high price. Classic. And he also does have some one-night stands with both men and women alike. Then he met a handsome Frenchman named Thierry Toulet. These guys fell crazy in love together, and they moved in together quickly. And eventually, you know, the rug bunny ran out, and Bernard had to join the diplomatic service again. You know, every time I get out, they keep pulling me back in, because I need <laughs> <With that> money. <laughs> paycheck. Right. Oh. So he accepts a posting at the French embassy in New Orleans. Ooh, that's fun. Yeah, it's the the 70s, it's New Orleans. They're going to gay bars and clubs. They're having a great time for about two years. But then it was 1977. And by now, China is in the news a lot Mm. because the gang of four who were kind of in charge of everything were the old guard. They had fallen. Everything's changing in China. It's mm. another chaotic time. And Bernard is getting really worried about She and Bertrand because yeah. he's like, all the people I knew there, they might not be there anymore. Yeah. Who knows? Like, I don't know what the purge did. Right. So finally, one night, he confesses everything to Thierry. He mm. tells him, I, I actually have this woman back in China. We have a kid together. And he asks, can I bring She back to Paris 
and we all live together in a menage. Oh, that's my my ideal situation <laughs> is that I have both my wife and my husband oh at my the same God. time, same place. My wife, my husband, my mm-hmm. son. You know, it's all about me and everybody else it just <laughs> kind of has to join in on this thing. And Thierry's like, um, okay. He's not really into the idea, but he's like, I mean, I guess you're married, so what am I going to do? <laughs> well, that day you find out your husband has a wife and a kid, you know, what <laughs> can like, you I do mean, but, okay, but like, adapt? I, he's like, I don't want to break up with you. But right. I mean, so Bernard asks about getting a job or a diplomatic posting in the Far East so he can get closer to Shuh. Uh-huh. And he gets offered this real shit job in Mongolia. Oh. <laughs> it is the smallest French embassy. Everyone thinks it's the most miserable place in the world. Oh, man. That's all you're hearing about this. But it's only a 36-hour train ride from Beijing. Is that all? 36 hours is a long ass time. Yeah, but I guess it's closer than Paris. It's closer than New Orleans, too. Or New Orleans, yeah. So Bernard's like, great, I'll take the job. Well, Security at this Mongolian job sucks. There is no official embassy. The diplomats work out of hotel. Since it's such a small staff, Bernard has not only his job, but he doubles as the ambassador's secretary. Mm. So he's like, yeah, you got to file this paperwork, but you got to do my dry cleaning. You got to give me a ride to work to wherever I got to be in the morning. Make my coffee. I said two creams, no sugar. Well, on his way to the gig, he stopped over in Beijing to visit Xu, and he tells her, get in touch with Kang. Let him know we can get back on that espionage horse, and I can go ahead and slip you some more info from my new job. Let, let Kang know. See how, that, see how that sounds to old Kang boy. Yeah. But the communications at his new job are super boring. <laughs> All they get is like, there's Mongolian plans for a staging of the Opera Carmen. Ooh, oh, big secret. <laughs> Kang's like, wow, so glad I know that. You're really changing the global power map here, buddy. Thanks. I'm going to I'm going to elevate this right to the top. (laughs) Yeah. Or he digs up, quote, a request from the ambassador for 10 humidifiers and a cheese tray. (laughs) (gasps) My God. How did you ever get this sensitive information? Right. 10 humidifiers. What are they up to? (laughs) A we've got our, tray. We've got our top guys on it. They're clearly planning to cut something. <laughs> so basically, he's got nothing to offer Kang at mm-hmm. first. But Kang is still like, look, there's no such thing as bad intelligence. So whatever you can tell us about Russia is still super important because China is threatened by Soviet revisionism. We're like, they don't want Russia defining what communism is. Right, of course. They want their own thing to kind of be the global idea of communism. So... Bernard, he's still on the lookout. He's like, don't worry. Mm-hmm. I know how to look past the cheese trays and the operas. <laughs> I'm going to find some good dirt on Russia. Meanwhile, he asks for a visa for his cousin, Thierry, to oh, come visit him. We are close. Yeah, We're very close. Very close cousin, Thierry. <laughs> uh, he also set up a court of like young Mongolian students who like became like his besties, I guess, his oh, little okay. followers in Mongolia, because they lived in pretty deprived conditions until Bernard came along. Oh. At the university, they're only allowed a three-minute shower once a week, oh. and it's like the the matron, you know, is standing outside the shower controlling the water. So at three minutes, she just shuts it off. Oh. So, but Bernard is like, you can use my bathroom whenever you want. Oh, and wow. They don't have a lot of good food, but he has the best food and French champagne. And he just lets them like raid his fridge whenever he wants. And Damn. I don't care how good your food is. If you got college students around, they're going to come over for that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> 
But the best thing about it was that there was nothing sexual in his invitations. The students were never propositioned or anything. Yeah. He just liked having folks around. He, you know, this guy's again, he's a, a bit of a kind of a party guy, right? Yeah. He wants people. He wants friends. He wants to be out at parties. And he's imagine, in the middle of like nowhere Mongolia. I imagine he's spending time with these guys. And he's like, whew, you get a three minute shower once a week and I'm having a hard time to, hanging out with you guys. So why don't you, you come over bathroom. and rinse off once in a while? I need you to use my bathroom now. You're going <laughs> to love this French soap I got. <laughs> well, you know, Bernard also can't be tied down. So while he's trying to figure out how he's going to get Shea back to Paris, he does have a couple of affairs. Mm-hmm. One with a married woman, but quote, that doesn't deter him. He has a formula for married women. You invite the woman to lunch, which is a respectable meal. Then you invite her back to your apartment for coffee, which is merely polite. There, you play the bittersweet love songs of Jacques Brel and sit beside her on the sofa and take her in your arms. When she says no, you ignore her because she means yes. By six, she is returned to her husband. Wow, Bernard, Bernard. what a system you've got. You got a problem. You straight up include when she says no, she means yes. Oh, Lord. Oh, Bernard. What a ridiculous uh, formula. You just say, right? oh, you take it to lunch, and you take it to coffee, and then you put on the bittersweet love songs of Jacques Burrell. <laughs> <laughs> well, amidst all these affairs, his partner Thierry came to visit him. But after he left, Bernard had a little fling with a Polish girl. Oh. So just okay, a lot Bernard. of opportunities for him here in uh, in Mongolia. Right. I guess. I am happy that he has really embraced his bisexuality at this point. Yeah, there you go. He's decided, you know what? I don't need to be ashamed of liking sex with men. Right. I also like sex with women. You sure. Now, while all this is going on, he is visiting Beijing every six weeks with documents mm. from the embassy. Uh, he gets 36 hours in the city. So as long as the train ride. It's just enough time to buy things for the Mongolian students and for sure. Everybody's always giving Bernard a damn shopping list. <laughs> uh, he socializes with the diplomats. He rendezvous with Kang. But, of course, Sha is getting mad at him that he doesn't spend more time with her when he's in Beijing. Mm. And now he does try to get some better info for Kang, you know, some more sexy stuff that they can use. But... It's like always dumb shit that he's picking up. He's He's got stuff about like how East Germany built a meat processing plant. Oh, no. Or how the French ambassador feels that the fedoras that Mongolian politicians wear make them look like Al Capone. Oh, these deep state secrets he's taking up here. <laughs> I guess if you have to write a report every day yeah. about what you're doing, you're just like, a lot of nothing. I mean, yeah. <laughs> nothing's going. It's Mongolia. <laughs> the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, the university students smell better. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but Kang keeps telling him, don't go out of your way. All right. It's too dangerous for you to like try to get sensitive stuff. OK. OK. So whatever you come across, that's fine. You don't have to go out of your, you know, don't have to go the extra mile. Right. Well, in 1982, Bernard submitted an official request for a visa for Sha to come to a three-month cultural lecture tour in France. Mm. It's like, how about she comes here and tells us how great communism is? Yay! But when she arrives in Paris with their son Bertrand, Bernard is in Belize on another posting. So Thierry has to look after Sha and Bertrand. Uh, (laughs) It's like, oh, okay, I guess I'll spend my weeks caring for my boyfriend's 
girlfriend and her son. Okay, right. <laughs> what like a day. I don't even want them here. So Sha and Bertrand move in with Thierry, and he knows the secret that mm-hmm. Sha is really a woman. But she, of course, she has to stay disguised as a man even while they're in Paris so that no one in China hears anything suspicious. Right. The secret can't get out. Finally, Bernard returns to Paris. Uh, Thierry is like, oh my God, thank God. Take your girlfriend. Get her out of my face. Um, and he does. <laughs> he goes and starts introducing around to all his friends, but he doesn't introduce her around. He introduces him around because, of course, they don't want this secret getting out. She does have to go back to China eventually. They don't reveal her secret. Mm-hmm. And she's got their son with them, but Bernard introduces her as Bertrand's uncle. So she starts networking, getting to know people in Paris. She ends up working in opera again and even gets into two TV shows. Ooh. So Monsieur She, this fella, this uncle, mm-hmm. is actually getting pretty famous in Paris. Yeah. You know what that means? It means attention. Right. And so these French surveillance agents, they realize that She Pepu is living in Bernard's apartment. And they're like, huh, so you must have met while in your diplomatic service. So that means that might be a government employee of mm. China. That's a big problem. We okay. need to, you know, have clearance to have a government person run around. They the don't same, want... Same issue as in China. You can't have somebody run around working for the government that you don't know about. <laughs> right. Maybe pass the secrets. They don't want... Since he worked in the government in China, they don't want his Chinese friends coming back because those guys are probably also government Right. I think people. they're just like, we just need to, like, clear him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. We gotta ask some questions. So in 1983, they bring Bernard in for questioning and ask him, what's up with this guy? What's your relationship? What's the deal? And two days later, they charge Bernard with espionage. Oh, shit. And then they go see She Pei Pu. Now, She is like, oh, shit, I'm in trouble. Starts complaining about a history of heart problems. Oh. Says, I'm, I'm real sick. So they're like, great, we'll bring a doctor in. Ugh. But <laughs> she won't allow an examination when the doctor comes in. <laughs> so they're like, Okay. And she finally says, okay, I'll tell you the real truth. I'm a woman. I was raised as a man. Mm-hmm. Um, ex- you know, explain to them that she never knew Bernard was involved in espionage. Oh, That's yeah. completely got nothing to do with me. I only taught him classes about Chairman Mao. <laughs> My friend Bernard, espionage. How weird. But he's like a mail clerk. What does he know? <laughs> so five days later, the French arrest Sha as well. And the judge says, we're going to give Sha a medical examination, oh. prove this whole story about being a woman in a man's disguise. Well, on July 8th in prison, Bernard heard that Sha is in the same prison as him. And he's like, oh, that's weird, because, of course, I'm in a male prison uh-huh. and Sha is really a woman. So I guess they don't know that yet. They still think it's a man. They just put her in here, whatever. Both of them are escorted by police back to Bernard's apartment for a search. Thierry is there, too. And while they're at the apartment with the police and everybody, Bernard asks She to marry him. Oh. He thinks that'll keep her safe, mm-hmm. right? Like, oh, if we're, if we're husband and wife, they can't charge a husband and wife with the same <laughs> crime. <laughs> it's like the Bluth method always works. I got the worst fucking lawyers. <laughs> Um, well, anyway, he just does think this this will help if they're married, if everybody thinks they're getting married. Mm-hmm. But she says, it's too late. We hmm. can't do this. And on July 13th, Bernard was sitting in his prison cell listening to the news on the radio. And there's a bulletin that talks about the accused spy, Shu Pei Pu, a man 
who was disguised as a woman, who was actually a man. The announcer on the radio said, quote, he is a man. Huh? So totally blows Bernard's lid right off the top of his head, (laughs) absolutely bakes his baguettes, uh, completely unravels his beret. I don't know. He butters his escargot. Yes. His croissants are toasted. He's like, what? (laughs) Chapeau was really a man this whole time? No way. Well, look, we've got a little bit more to this story, and we're going to tell you everything that's happened here and try and make it all make sense. So stick around right after this break, and we'll be right back. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Welcome back, everybody. Let's figure out what the hell's going on here with Chappay Poo. <laughs> I am all turned around. So this is a man dressed like a woman who's actually a man. So it turns out that when the French gave Sha the medical examination, they had been given a set of, of rules, like some things to figure out. Okay, right? here's, your had... ch- here's, here's your checklist. Exactly. And this is the check. The following is the checklist. Quote, Determine if the prisoner, in addition to his masculine organs, has external female organs. If he does not, 
determine whether he might have had female organs in the past. Mm -hmm. Determine whether the prisoner shows any trace of surgical intervention of the sexual organs. If so, make a report of the nature of that intervention. Determine whether the prisoner, as he has claimed, has the ability to withdraw his penis and testicles into his body cavity. And finally, examine the prisoner's anus for signs of sodomization. Damn, examining my anus is a sign of sodomization. <laughs> you know, excuse me. I don't know me. about withdrawing your... That's like, it's like a go-go gadget thing to withdraw Well, I have heard of... Your penis into your cavity. Drag queens being able to do this. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I had a drag queen friend who was like, this is how you, you can actually pop those up inside. Because, <gasps> no I mean, kidding. that's from whence they came, you know. I guess so. Uh, which sounds like something I'm not going to experiment with myself, but more power to you <laughs> if that's your superpower. Also, what a checklist. I Do you know, think right? That, Very that, you know, the doctors that got it were like, I went to a medical school for this, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Eight years of university. Eight years. So the doctors do their little check and determine that Shu is a man with very typical male sexual organs, no signs of surgical intervention, no signs of sodomization. And despite all of his talk about heart problems, they say this guy's got a totally normal heartbeat. Nothing mm -hmm. wrong there. Everything looks fine. So Shu says after this, OK, all right, let me explain everything to you guys. Mm -hmm. The New York Times article quotes it for us in words that We'll just borrow from them. Yeah. And if talk about uh, anatomical manipulation bothers you, you know, yeah, right. I don't know, plug your ears for a second or something. <laughs> they say, quote, easily, smoothly, he pushes his testicles up into his body cavity. The skin of the scrotal sac hangs slack like curtains. The man now pushes his penis between his legs towards his back bisecting the skin of the scrotum and squeezes his legs tightly together. The penis is hidden, while the skin of the scrotum resembles the vaginal lips beneath a triangle of pubic hair. Pushed between the empty scrotal sac, the penis has also created a small cavity so that shallow penetration is possible. Ooh. Wow, so now we learn about what this sort of weird, uncomfortable sex that right. Bernard and Sha were having it's and why about. Bernard didn't really know and why Sha eventually was just like, let me just use my hands and mouth here. Okay, It'd be a yeah. lot easier for both of us. Much better. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. You know, in a, in a dark bedroom when, when emotions are high and everybody's trying to have a good time, <laughs> you can miss a lot. I guess, especially if, you know, she's like, turn all the lights off. Yeah. And, you know, I'll, I'll guide your, your yeah. where you need to go, and it'll be very specific every mm -hmm, time and mm -hmm. stuff. Now, of course, on the radio, all they say is that Sha is a man. They don't explain all the scrotal <laughs> curtains <Yeah>. or whatever. <laughs> but Bernard is not believing this, sure. of course. He's like, no, it can't be, okay? I've known her for years now, decades, and we have a kid together, and, like, what are you talking right. about? So they're interrogated separately for six months, and then they finally get interrogated together. Oh, and Bernard hears Sha say with his own mouth that he is a man. Oof. He also hears Sha say, quote, I never told Bernard I was a woman. I only let it be understood that I could be a woman. Wow. So the old, uh, yeah, I never technically told I you mean, trick. Come on. <laughs> another another Bluth family legal trick, I think. Yeah, I, maybe. Yeah, probably. <laughs> 
And then he also says that Bertrand is not his son, sure. but, of course. But he also does say that through artificial insemination, Bertrand is Bernard's son. Oh, whoa. Which I got quite, like... So I saved it. Okay, that's what I'm like, Bernard's like, so you, like, what, how did you... Just Anyway, throw this well, this shallow cavity. Uh, uh, I, just, like, I mean, you know, scraped into a vial. I don't I mean, understand. Ugh, throw That's that so in gross. the freezer and then take it to the lab. <laughs> and we'll make a kid in a I mean, what a weird, elaborate thing to do. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, for eight months, people have been telling Bernard that she was really a man, but he had refused to believe it. After a second interrogation at court, they were sitting together in a holding cell waiting for police to transport them back to prison. And Bernard says, quote, so it's true. You're a man. And Shu says, quote, of course. Oh. So Bernard says, show me. And Shu pulls down his pants to prove it. And when Bernard asks, why didn't you tell me uh, this whole time? I mean, I'm bisexual. Come on. Like, I don't we, have a problem. This would have been fine. Okay. And Shu says, quote, well, there was no time. There was no time <laughs> when I've known you for decades. Oh my God, you when I've just... been buying you shit every right. fucking thirty-six hours. Oh, real quick before you go to the grocery store, I'm actually a man. Okay, That's... like what? Is... <laughs> Why even bother with the lie in the first place? Wow, so weird. Oh so of course God. Bernard is devastated and very depressed. Yeah. Um. Again, Monsieur Chat is famous in France. Oh, yeah, yeah. And so this is a really big deal, even if it was, you know, it probably would be anyway because it's like an espionage thing. Uh -huh. But this is with a famous person doing espionage. So it's like all over the country. Everybody knows about it. Bernard's a bit of a laughing stock, And so he's really depressed. And then he hears that Shug gets released from prison to go await trial at home because of his heart problems. Oh. The quote unquote heart problems. Right. So he's like, man, Shug gets to go like hang out at home. Then another blow when blood tests come back, proving that Bertrand is not Bernard's son at all. Oh, man. No relation. Poor Bernard was very upset and he decided he would rather be dead. So he pulled the razor blade out of his shaving razor and he slit his own throat. Oh. But he survived. Wow. He did not go deep enough, I guess. Yeah. Well, in May of 1986, they finally have this trial. And lawyers argue that Bernard didn't even give the Chinese government any substantial info. It would be stupid to throw the book at him. Mm -hmm. Just be a waste of time. You know, what are we even talking about here? Some cheese plates. Exactly. They're right? reading the stuff like, come like, on, guys. Uh, come on. Oh, oh, Mongolia's doing Carmen. Like, okay. okay. They wear fedoras. Who yeah. cares? Surprise. You know? What's the big deal? And the lawyers say that Shu could have escaped to China while awaiting trial if he was, you know, such an incredible spy. Right. So, you know, we let him stay at home and he doesn't break out. So he can't really be some super spy that we're all making him out to be. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the trial, both of them get sentenced to six years in prison. But in April of 1987, just the next year, Shu got a presidential pardon because his imprisonment is an embarrassment to the Chinese government, and it was damaging international relations between China and France. Mm -hmm. And this case wasn't serious enough for those kinds of consequences to be acceptable. This is not sure. worth what we're going through. So, right. If you were selling French state secrets or something really important, sure. But So Xu enjoys this notoriety, ends up staying in Paris. I've made so many friends here, and yeah. I've got all these connections. And he returned to the opera to perform. 
Bernard got his pardon, his presidential pardon, four months later. Mm. I guess they were like, you can stay for a minute. Think about what you've done. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And again, you know, he's a bit of a laughing stock in Paris, but he ended up living contentedly with Thierry. Okay. So Thierry's still there. I'm happy he didn't break up with him. (laughs) That's nice. Boy, Thierry. Oof. That that guy stuck it out. Thierry is a sweetie pie. This is a very easygoing gentleman. I'm like, was Bernard that worth it? My God. Now, there's no contact between Bernard and She or Bertrand, who, of course, She had adopted back in China. So mm. that's still his adoptive son. Oh, so the adoption was real. The adoption was real. Okay. I guess he really needed a cover for this pregnancy or whatever. But anyway, in 1988, their story was turned into the famous play M. Butterfly by David Henry Huang. Actually, B.D. Wong played the part of, well, the the part that was inspired by She. Uh, B.D. Wong. I know, right? Phenomenal actor. Great actor. You, you might know him as the scientist in Jurassic Park, Dr. Wu. Mm-hmm. Um, what did we just see him in? Oh, he was in Gotham. He was the other Dr. Strange, the DC Mr. Strange <laughs> in Gotham, the scientist. <laughs> that's right. That's the right. Mad scientist. The anyway, other Dr. Strange. Many more things, but of course, B.D. Wong. And like, Sha doesn't give a lot of interviews. He prefers to be sort of a mysterious, mm, you know, okay. presence. But Bernard cooperated with author Joyce Wadler on a full biography of his story called Liaison. It was published in 1993. And he's not as bitter as he could be about the whole thing. He's quoted as saying, quote, when I believed it, it was a beautiful story. Mm. So I guess he, uh, I don't know, maybe those four months were good for him to like. <laughs> right. Think about what <laughs> he'd done. Get, yeah. Get, get his well, theory a... in. I feel like I would be very mad. So I don't know. Just. I guess he figured out, you know, whatever. No, no uh, harm really came from it, I suppose. I mean, it's so nice that he's able to take something positive from it, I guess. I mean, uh, you know, the, what the emotions were real, you know, I, that kind yeah. of thing is like, maybe that person didn't really love me. Maybe that person was lying to me the whole th- time. But I was a person in love. You know, right. I had this amazing magical experience of whatever. He's, he technically got his adventure, right? Mm-hmm. Going all over the world. Maybe it wasn't as fantastic as he imagined it would be. But the guy certainly lived a pretty adventurous life for a long time there. That's very true. So what about the young boy Bertrand? Right, uh, where did he come from? Well, he explained the mystery of where he came from in his own statement to the police. He was from China's Uyghur minority, Mm. and he said that he had actually been sold by his mother. He said, quote, it was not that my mother did not love me. We were starving. Mm. And from Joyce Wadler's 2009 obituary for Shu. It said that at the time of Shu's death in 2009, Bertrand was living in Paris and had three sons of his own. Man, Bernard brought both of them over from China. He brought like his biggest mistake over from China and right? had to like share the city with them. <laughs> oh, and they had a great time living it up in Paris. I guess so. Yeah. Now, in that obituary, that same obituary, it was reported that Shu Peipu disliked answering questions about the sexual specifics of the affair. Sure, as many people do. Most people don't like talking yeah. about that. <laughs> But in a 1988 interview, he said, quote, I used to fascinate both men and women. What I was and what they were didn't matter. I mean, I guess, but it sort of does matter <laughs> to poor Bernard. Well, you know, it, I, I guess it it doesn't matter if you know it doesn't matter. But if you're deliberately misleading, that's right, different. Exactly. I think that's if someone's different. like, are you a man or are you a woman? You can absolutely say like, does it matter to you? Mm-hmm. What what difference does it make? And that person can then say, you're right. Fuck it. I think you're cool. I think you're hot. Mm-hmm. Who cares? Or you can say, well, personally, it does matter to me. Mm-hmm. And it's something that, you know, I would 
I would like to have disclosed in some way or another. I mean, maybe you don't identify as a man or a woman. It may matter to someone else for their sexual preferences Mm. um, in terms of how you identify. Yeah. And I think, too, it's like so odd to make up this lie. Yeah. Um, especially because Bernard really didn't seem to care, particularly if you're a male or female. I mean, especially exactly. later on, you know, at the time he met Sha, he was very much looking for a woman to have an affair with. Yeah. But later he's like, I, you know, I'm with Thierry. I'm, I'm you know, men and women alike. I don't have no problem. Well, I think that's what I'm saying, too, is like it's not so much that the identity is important. It could very well not be important to anyone. But the deliberate secret keeping Exactly. Is sketchy. That's not that's not honest. Mm-hmm. And that gets into like consent issues. Right. Like I lied to you about who I am. And then we had a sexual relationship. Well, then I didn't really have a sexual relationship with the person I thought I was. Mm. That's deceitful. Yeah, that's true. And it sounds like the plan here was for Sha to, I, I guess, to pretend to be a woman. So the baby thing would happen and it would like tie Bernard to China. I see. I'm assuming that that was maybe the idea was that it would be like, oh, if you have a kid here, you'll keep coming back. Mm. You'll want to, like, take care of us. You'll, OK. You know, but in some ways it just feels like really bored spies trying to have a fun spy thing happen. Right. So they made up this honeypot with this guy who really can't get him anything exciting. Okay. So you're saying, just to clarify, that she was put up to this by the Chinese government is the implication. Yes, I believe so. It looks like it was a honeypot trap. It was supposed to be this sexy woman comes in and you fall for her and then she starts pulling your strings for us. Which, I mean, just goes to show the elaborate nature of espionage and how in-depth something might be. Just to learn from one guy, like, when Mongolia's getting a cheese plate, you know? (laughs) (laughs) The investment, I don't feel like the payoff was worth the investment, but I guess you have to throw that much stuff at the wall to see what sticks. And maybe they even start with low level because they're like, well, you'll get promoted one day and you'll already be in my pocket. So I imagine that was maybe the idea and they didn't realize they were dealing with somebody kind of unambitious. Like Bernard's not trying to like (laughs) become a diplomat. He's like, I just want to go party. (laughs) They didn't realize. They they overestimated (laughs) Bernard and who they were working with here. I guess so. (laughs) It's funny. I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense. Like we're going to give you a Chinese son. Mm -hmm. You're going to really feel like that the more you progress here, Mm-hmm. Uh, probably the deeper we're going to pull you in. Exactly. To the point where suddenly he's like chief ambassador to China from France. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, you're basically Chinese at this point. Right. And like yeah. even the stuff like keeping him away from Sha so much and like the yeah. following him on bikes and all this stuff might have added to it. Like he would feel, oh, she, you know, she's in real danger. Oh, yeah. I have to do, you know, um, I'm assuming all of that was completely fabricated. Amazing. Amazing. How expensive, you know? Oh, my God. I mean, spy shit is for real. Like you say, you do so much work, you know, to maybe get one nugget of information that may or may not ever be useful. That's the other thing. What an embarrassing flop for Chinese (laughs) intelligence. Because even even when he got caught and the French government was like, yeah, this really was nothing. This means nothing. This is just we're only punishing you because you were so stupid. Let it go. Yeah. And China's like, wow, we really, well, really kind of bungled that one. Right. And I guess Sho was like, I ain't going back to China. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I wonder if Sho would have been in danger back in China because maybe he revealed too much once right. he got caught. Yeah. Uh, you know, that once the gig was up, it was like, yeah, don't come home. 
I wondered that too. Or if he was just like, I'm in Paris and it's like more fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm making it as an opera star. True. I wasn't doing opera in China. So. And so that part of the story must have been true. Yes. The, the butterfly story. That, that part that of the story I, I think was true. I guess that's the best way to build a, a, a fake character is you got to include a lot of truth in there. That's so true. You got to build it around a nugget of truth what so I, that you can have that ring of sincerity. Yeah. What I love is that. Bernard is introducing everyone to Shu and being like, this is a man. And everyone else is like, yeah, that's a man. Yeah, and Bernard is the only one <laughs> who thinks this guy's a woman. And he doesn't know he's he's the only one who's wrong. I know. <laughs> but then I am like, OK, so then Shu, why bother telling the French government that you are a woman? Of course, they're going to like want to. Did he really think they weren't going to try to verify that? Maybe. Or something? I think he was like. Oh, yeah. Well, you're going to have to get a doctor in here. And they're mm. like, we've actually got one outside. Yeah, no He's problem. like, oh, shit. In China, that would have taken six weeks. <laughs> I know. They were, they're like, you know, this is France. You ever heard of impotency court? <laughs> <laughs> right. We yeah. are 100% fine looking at your genitals. <laughs> we at will any bring time. it back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. When Bernard was notified uh, at the time he was living in a French nursing home and he was notified of Che's death, Bernard just said, quote, he did so many things against me that he had no pity for. I think it's stupid to play another game now and say I am sad. The plate is clean now. I am free. Oh, wow. Wow. So I kind of think that's sad. I mean, yeah. how long is were they together and Bernard's like putting all of this time and energy and love into a fake, yeah. completely fake relationship? Yeah. And yeah. he didn't even get to build a bond with Bertrand, which I guess is kind of a blessing in disguise because they ended up not having a relationship at all. But right, right. I'm just like, man, that you know, to just think this whole time that you have someone, a kid with somebody and you're you're working so hard to keep them safe oh, and, yeah. and supplied and comfortable and whatever to and then be like, I feel like a fucking moron. I'm a total patsy. Yeah. And I mean, for all the for all the adventure that he got. Yeah. I mean, to know that the underlying motivation for it was false. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it was a total lie and that you did that. Yeah, that, that you loved this person and that they clearly did not love you back the way they told you they did. That, that hurts no matter what the circumstances. And then you add that it's all about like, you know, super high governmental espionage bullshit. <sighs> That's just insult to injury. And then on top of that, the friendship wasn't even real. Yeah. So he's like, even if you're not a woman and we're not in love and whatever, that was my friend. Yeah. That was my best friend. If we recall, he said, I could tell him things I could not tell anyone else. Yeah. Like, that's how he felt about him. Yep. So just to find out that that's completely fake would just be really heartbreaking. Right. And I imagine Shu going back to Kang, the Chinese government, and just mm -hmm. being like, well, I found out this guy used to play hoop and stick at his boarding school. <laughs> like, I don't know. He's telling me all his secrets, but it's not like they're state secrets, I you mean, know? Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> How long do I have to keep doing this? Like, you know what? Let's fake a pregnancy. This is going to be the thing that does it. He'll be like, I got to provide for my family and get a better job <laughs> at the embassy. I don't know. I do wonder, Shub, we, we can assume Sha was happy to help his government, right? I can assume that, yeah. Um, but also, we don't know. I mean, like, you know, how much of this show was like, can I uh, can I get away from this dude? Is this really going to be my whole life? Is pretending to be this guy's secret wife? Right. You know, it, how how long do I have to keep this up for? That's got to be frustrating, too. I mean, that's very true. You know, definitely not the victim here, but probably a victim, at least of, you know, of government manipulation. Mm -hmm. Right. I do have so many questions. I wish there was a little more information about Sha. 
Yeah. And the, his like real background, because were they was he placed at the embassy teaching the wives, you know, as like a laying the groundwork for a honeypot thing? Or was he actually doing that? And then when he's like, oh, I made friends with this guy here. Right. The government then was like, oh, hey, well, let's use that. You I know, I'm, if, I'm just wondering what the timeline is. I wonder if sure government work. I wonder if sure wasn't very good at it. Maybe and not. <laughs> they were and they were like, OK, go teach embassy wives until you make friends with an ambassador and then you're going to mm. seduce him and tell him you're a woman. And like three months in, he's cannot make friends with an ambassador until this one like loser comes up. <laughs> He's like, I made friends with a clerk. Uh-huh. And they're like, Fuck, whatever, fine. Ugh. Take it. He's like their lowest agent. <laughs> <laughs> he's like really trying to prove himself because he's bungled all the last three of his cases. Damn, sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is what you get. Fine. You got your head in the clouds. All you ever think about is opera. Mm-hmm. And the story of the butterfly. <laughs> Wild. What a ride. Yes. (laughs) Oh, my God. Twists and turns. I was on a roller coaster this whole time. For real. Well, thank you again to Katie for this amazing suggestion. This was really fun to learn about. I wish I did have a spy here to kind of explain the thought process. (laughs) Right. But I feel like we nailed it. (laughs) We probably got it right. Um, But you guys let us know what you think. Of course, we always want to know what you think and what other stories we should be doing. So reach out to us. Our email is ridicromance at gmail.com. That's right. You can find us on Instagram. I'm at oh great. It's Eli. I'm at Diana Boom. And the show is at ridicromance. Follow along uh, and send us your reviews and your thoughts. And we can't wait to catch y'all at the next episode. Thanks so much for spending time with us today. We love you. Bye. Bye-bye. So long, friends. It's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and aunts to listen to our show, Ridiculous Romance. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for The Everyday Guy. 
What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know, he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. 